everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. This is the Wonder Woman Spotlight. Uh, book has been highly anticipated, uh, so it's dropping on the 19th. Uh, we're recording this a little earlier than that, uh, but it's dropping on the 19th, uh, and it's been, again, a long time coming. Tom King was doing a ton of interviews right before Final Order Cutoff. DC's been promoting the heck out of it. Daniel Samper, the artist, has been putting a lot of preview uh, uh, images and what have you on social media. Plenty of people had a chance to read it ahead of time, reviewers, retailers, other comic book pros, everybody's been talking about it. So it's finally here. I don't know if that's going to be anticlimactic or not. Um, there's certainly going to be a, a great number of people that haven't read it and are going to get a chance to check it out this, you know, today, basically, as you hear this, as this drops. Um, I was very impressed, I'll say. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Tom King's work. I think he's, uh, you know, he, he kind of stays in his lane, so to speak. Uh, there's a few things you can count on Tom for. He's going to kind of experiment with storytelling style. Although, you know, whether that's um, chronologically or uh, linearly or, you know, whatever that is. Um, I, but I do feel like he's gotten a little bit away from that, which is fine. Uh, a little bit more straightforward in the last few books that he's written, maybe because he's <laughs> run out of ideas on how to tell stories. But the other thing you can count on is him to kind of explore ideas of truth and lies and what's real and what's not. Um, you know, especially when you talk about things like Mr. Miracle, certainly strange adventures, uh, really um, talked about that. And, uh, I feel like that's a lot to do with just who Tom is. Um, what interests him. You know, he lives in Washington, D.C. I won't go so far as to say this is a political book, but it's a book that very much kind of deals with truth and lies and perception and what is, po you know, politic as opposed to necessarily political, talk about right and left, that sort of thing, but more about kind of the human condition uh, and, and those types of themes. So uh, all that being said, I had high expectations and I still was left after reading it very impressed so um yeah i really really enjoyed it what what were your first impressions rocky my first impression was that i was relieved <laughs> <laughs> i was relieved i really was because i'm always i always have some trepidation with uh, you and i have been loving tom king i love his non-continuity work uh, and wonder woman is in continuity and boy oh boy honestly i think if there's ever uh I'll compare it to Daredevil. Uh, if you want a writer's best work, if that writer's written Daredevil, it's probably their best work. If that writer's written Wonder Woman, it's probably their worst work. Uh, there's something about Wonder Woman that it's it's just one of those characters that I think writers find very difficult to find. They generally don't even want a writer. What I first admired about Tom King in the interviews is that he he took on the challenge. He talked about being at the at, at the memorial for George Perez and just feeling personally challenged to do his very very best. And you know, and and I think he's. I, I'm going to have some criticisms here, but I really like the fact that he's. He's taken this as an assignment and a challenge, and there's a lot of things that I really like what he's done, and I think there's some things that I'm critical of, but uh, frankly, I, I, I'm, I like that he's swinging for the fences here. I, I really do, and it is just an opening issue. I'm going to be speculating a lot. I don't know exactly where he's going with this, with, with some of the plot lines, but I, I like what I'm seeing so far, 
I do with some trepidation on some things, but I, it's, I'm, I'm pleasantly optimistic and uh, fingers crossed. And I'm really looking forward to getting your perspective and reviewing it with you uh, to, to see, uh, to see where this takes us. Yeah. So we're going to go full spoilers. So everybody, if you haven't had a chance to read it and you want to check it out for yourself, just be aware, we're going to go basically page by page, story beat by story beat. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the things Tom said in some interviews. Uh, but, but one thought um, that I'll leave before uh, lead with before we start diving into the issue is, you know, Tom take, talking about the challenge of writing Wonder Woman and how it's really hard to go back to the core of the, uh, the character as opposed to somebody like Batman or Superman. You can go back to that first issue and, you know, there's things that are established, there's themes um, that you can, that you can mine with Wonder Woman. That's much more difficult to do, right? Just based on her origins, um, bondage and sexuality and that sort of thing with how she was initially created. And, you know, it was a guy and he was exploring his kinks, you know? Um, so it's, it's a little tougher to go back and, um, and kind of mine those initial, um, those initial stories which I found to be really interesting. I'd never thought about it before. Uh, and then, yeah, just for a character that's been around as long as she has, has, has there been a definitive run on Wonder Woman? Maybe you look at the George Perez stuff, Gail Simone, certainly. Um, but that's all, you know, relatively recent. If you go back and look at things in the, in the forties and the fifties and the sixties, you know, in the seventies, we know it was the whole mod era where they took her out of the costume. Yeah. She's a, she's a character that, and you and I have remarked on it lots of times. She deserves better, honestly. So hopefully this is the beginning uh, of that. So anyway, the, the issue opens up and it's, it's interesting what, uh, what King chooses to do. Uh, it's a scene in a pool hall and we, we're looking at the pool table. We're looking at the billiard balls. We're looking at the table and dialogue is um, overlaid over the top of that. And it's basically, you get the impression that somebody's about to, to take a shot. Some, somebody else touches them female, we learn, is about to take a shot. Somebody touches her uh, inappropriately. Uh, she reacts in a hostile manner, um, which you would kind of expect, right? You'd be angry if you know somebody was fondling you and you're minding your own business. She mentions, did I ask you to touch me? Well, your, your curves, you know, uh, the, the way you curve, you don't have that you don't have to ask, right? We don't have to ask, you're, you're inviting, uh, which again, it's very misogynistic, but unfortunately, realistic as well goes back to that whole idea of like dress codes in schools right like why do girls have to cover up because men can't control themselves young men can't control themselves it's very uh, it's very much a double standard uh, but what I want to point out is over the top of this we get these dialogue boxes in blue which it's somebody from the future that is remarking back on these uh, events right and we find out who this person is they're sort of narrating the whole issue. We find out who they are on the last page. Uh, but what is interesting is in this narration, they talk about, I mean, the first line, this is a story of how she defeated us, right? So we're not, it's not no great mystery here. Wonder Woman, can Wonder Woman win the day? Is she going to defeat whoever this new villain is, this big bad, what have you? Um, it's comics. Wonder Woman is, the, the title is called Wonder Woman. Of course she's going to win, right? Um, so I do like that King doesn't necessarily play around with that or give us any idea of, uh, oh my God, will she win? Will she not? Uh, but it's interesting. You can learn a lot 
sort of about the history of this character, just in the context of what they're saying, talking about betrayal and lies. And uh, mentioned we were sovereign, we were Lord of the Rockies, defender of the coast, high emperor uh, of Columbia. And, uh, and she was but a princess, foreign born, but obviously she, she won the day. So that's an interesting way to start. Uh, and as we uh, turn the page, we get a full page splash, gorgeous Danielson pair art with this Amazon who's basically smashing this guy's head into the table. Uh, and the you know, guy's screaming, what are you doing? What are you doing? She's like, I'm doing what you did. I'm touching you. Uh, obviously, she's touching him in a little bit uh, more brutal of a manner. Um, and meanwhile, we still have that, uh, that dialogue that's narrating the scene, um, talking about what went wrong, even from the first days in the pool hall. Um, you know, mistakes were made and, uh, it's a, it's a very brutal opening scene. Um, as it, the camera kind of pans out, we just see the attack happening through the window silhouettes with that, again, that, um, that narration over the top that, um, we learn as he's talking, he's talking to a young woman. So right away, my thought is, well, um, could this be Trinity? Could this be the, that villain talking to Trinity? So could this be uh, the conversation that Trinity's having with whoever that was in the cell that we saw in the backup of Wonder Woman 800? You have to uh, wonder about that. And of course, he's using a, an old excuse, right? Uh, an excuse that will talk about throughout the issue, a theme that comes up. Uh, well, I was just doing it for America, right? I was just doing it for love of country. I'm justified in my injustice. I'm justified in my hypocrisy because reason, right? Insert reason, whether it's I'm a soldier following orders. Uh, I did it in, in service to my faith because of God uh, or I did it for my country. It's, uh, you know, it's excusing hypocrisy and horrible, unspeakable acts in the service of a greater good, um, which again, common theme, especially in today's um kind of political climate in, in America. So uh, very much an opening scene that is impactful. And uh, I, I saw in a couple of interviews, Tom King talking about it, like the opening of Civil War, right? That first Marvel event where uh, there was Stanford, Connecticut, nuke exploded, killed a bunch of kids uh, at elementary school across the street from the house that they were in, uh, where the new warriors attacked the villains. Um, so this um, inciting event that really kicks off a whole political firestorm. So, uh, but it grabs you right, right from the beginning, tons of action and gorgeous art. Uh, what are your thoughts on the opening scene, Rocky? Uh, my, my opening scene was, uh, was a little bit worrisome. Honestly, I thought it was a little bit over the top. I thought the misogyny was a little bit over the top. Uh, I thought this was probably and probably a very redneck American town, which I don't think is typical. I don't think the typical man in America is quite as misogynist as this. So I thought it was a little bit overplayed. However, uh, I do think that there's a potential explanation for that uh, near the end, uh, uh, grounded in, in the person who, who is narrating, who is likely the villain. And I, I, there, is, there is ultimately a lasso of lies that is influencing all this, and I believe it's affecting the mood of America, and, and I think all this is orchestrated. I do believe that this Amazon that is in this pool hall that gets angry at these men, uh, yeah, even if it's not overplayed because people's opinion will vary. I didn't mind it so much because it was very obvious that this is, it was clear to me anyway, that this blonde Amazon, this blonde, gorgeous looking Amazon, she's doing this on purpose. No matter what these men did, I'm sure she would have ended up killing them. And incidentally, she killed everyone in the bar except the two women. 
and which is very interesting. So, so it was clearly made to look like a like an attack uh, that of a, of a woman who hates men, and it was very very obvious, and it's so overplayed that for those readers who might get upset and say, "Oh, this is just you know, hate, Wonder Woman hatred of men." Clearly, there's more at play here, and this was an intentional act. It's almost like a false flag operation. That's where you get that strong sense in the comic. This is orchestrated. Somebody's manipulating not only the the U.S. government here, but somebody's trying to manipulate and deceive all of America. And that also comes into play here. And this, so this opening scene really, it's shocking because on the one hand, I'm thinking, oh my God, first it's overplayed. And then it's like, okay, something doesn't feel right here. And it shouldn't feel right because something is off. And then only two, the, the only survivors are two women. I'm so right away, it captivated me and it made me angry too. I'm sort of pissed off and in a good way because I'm feeling for for all the people in this bar. And, and it's like, oh, my God, now America. And, and I read the solicits and I know America is going to be pissed off. But why are they going to be angry Amazons? And why would you automatically assume Amazons had anything to do with it? And so right away, it, three pages in, four, three, four pages in, I'm like, I'm, in, I'm already invested in the story. And of course, you got that fantastic Daniel Samper art, which really draws you in. And it's like, wow. And I want to know who this blonde is, because who is this blonde Amazon? Is this a new character? Is this an old one? I'm not sure. But it, it, it was a great way to open up, open up the comic, I thought. Yeah, I mean, just based on the opening scene we don't yet know i mean we'll get to that on the next page about it being just two only, the only survivors being two women uh that you mentioned and also yeah we learned later on um so there's some hints that everything was manipulated but you know when i first read it uh like you you know the, the anger you felt because obviously we're not necessarily thinking that it's uh, it's a false flag or it's something that was intended to manipulate people um i had mixed feelings about it first of all it was like, you know, if you're that guy, you fucked around and found out, didn't you? Like, right? <laughs> like, no, I, you know, I don't condone violence. I certainly don't condone murder. But if you if you had been minding your own business, it doesn't happen, right? It, did she, you know, take it too far to kill every everybody in the bar except for two guys or two women rather that were there? Well, yes, 100 percent. No doubt. But. Uh, you know, you say just hard to believe. Unfortunately for me, having grown up in a, a very conservative area, uh, area, it, it's it's it feels all too possible. Yeah. It feels all too possible for somebody uh, to be um, taken advantage of or, or treated that way. Um, you know, I, I, wanna, I feel compelled to add one thing. I've played a lot of pool in my life. I've gone to Vegas. I've been in tournaments. Uh, and I, I thought Tom King missed an opportunity on the very first page with the with the with the built with the pools shot. There are so many trick shots you could have had. I thought with and they all have different names. You could have had a trick shot been been and you could have had some deception played out so that because I I actually looked at the position of the cue balls of the cue ball and the and, and the billiard balls looking for if I could see if there was some clues in that opening shot in terms of. Is this an illusion? Is this a trick shot? Is this a, I actually thought maybe he was going to do that. He didn't. None of the, none of it looks like it's a trick shot, but I thought, I thought, cause knowing Tom King, he's always, he's always, he's, he's always throwing in metaphors or something like that. So I, I actually liked it was in a pool hall and I've, uh, well, I've played with a lot of women in pool and I've, uh, you know, I find, mind you, I, I haven't played in a biker bar, which what's this look like? So, uh, you're probably, you know, um, my buddy goes down to uh, that, that every year he goes down to uh, that 
uh, he he hops on his Harley and he goes and he would he would take offense to the way bikers are portrayed in this comic. But you know, mind you, they don't all look like this blonde, so you never know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that, that's the other part of it, right? Like, and and that's really when you start talking about things going over the top. Um, <laughs> what we're we're talking about here, like, you can't paint everybody with the same brush, so you can't you can't paint every guy that's in a bar and drives a motorcycle, what have you with, you you can't lump them in with these guys and the way they treat this Amazon. But conversely, you can't treat every Amazon like a criminal because of the acts of one person, right? Which is what happens on on the next page. The talking heads get a lot of the information that Rocky's referring to. Um, We find out everybody in the bar was killed, 19 people. The only two survivors were two women. We find out that they know it was an Amazon that did it. We find out that uh, the embassy doesn't know where she is. Uh, Representatives in Washington meet and they basically they are worried about what the Amazons uh, are up to. All of a sudden, all this suspicion is thrown onto the Amazons. And again, if this feels over the top and and all too um, much like make believe, I'll point to something that happened early in the Trump administration where there was a Muslim ban, right? Muslim ban. And there wasn't even an inciting incident. It was just the xenophobia of the right in America that said, you know, Muslims are dangerous and we're banning all of them. You can't be in this country if you're Muslim. So that's what's happening here with um, with with Amazons. Um, they create this um, this law, acts it's called, the Amazon extradition um, or extraction uh, law, basically, where everybody's got to go. If you're an Amazon, you're gone. You're not allowed to be in the country. Um, so it feels very reactionary um, and very unjust. Again, you're painting every Amazon, hundreds of Amazons that live in the U.S. because of the actions of this one woman. Um, and again, it, it doesn't really have anything to do with whether or not the actions of this one Amazon, Emily is her name, were justified or not. Because uh, again, somebody touched you inappropriately. <laughs> Killing 19 people for that is we can all agree that's a bridge too far. Um, but again, uh, to Rocky's point earlier, if it hadn't been that, it would have been something else, right? It would have been, she would have had an excuse. Again, this seems planned. It seems, um, perpetrated. It seems deliberate, um, probably from the person that's, uh, narrating the book. So as it goes along, we see Sarge Steele, Sergeant Steele. Uh, he's a character that's been around DC for a long time. Uh, showed up uh, actually in, uh, Charlton comics originally, was a detective slash spy. A lot of people think of him as a, like a, a military guy. He's, he's not actually a military guy. Sarge is his name. His name is Sergeant, you know, like Sergeant Shriver. Um, so his name is Sergeant. So I, I do, um, and he goes by Sarge. I do sort of question why uh, sometimes I see it abbreviated SGT, uh, which is the rank sergeant, but that's, he's not actually military, but he is involved with the government, right? He's been a member of Checkmate back pre-crisis. He headed up a sort of a, a spy organization, if we will, called the Central Bureau of Investigation, so, sort of similar to the CIA. So he's been around. He's been manipulated a lot over the years. Mr. Mind, Mind controlled him at one point and was living in his steel fist. Yeah. He was humiliated uh, also, as, and it's even mentioned in the comic in Amazon's attack. He was... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mind controlled him. Yeah. yeah. So, and yeah. I just want to say, and I want to give a compliment to Tom King, because a lot of times 
Tom King's come under criticism for not sticking with continuity, but he's done a good job here. He's done his, he's done some of his research on the continuity. He's linked the characters and uh, he's, he's done his homework. Yes. And it's a, you know, it, we talk all the time about Wonder Woman not having, you know, the most well-known rogues gallery. We talked uh, when, at the beginning of the Mariko Tamaki run, which we had high hopes for that, uh, Maxwell Lord would be somebody that maybe becomes a, a Wonder Woman nemesis. Uh, obviously, there's history there with Wonder Woman snapping his neck and what have you, which gets into the whole warrior for peace aspect that we'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, I agree. Uh, bringing Sarge Steel in is a good a good choice, even if he is very quickly established as a character that we're going to love to hate, right? Very similar uh, to Amanda Waller in that way. Uh, he reminds me, if you guys are Marvel fans, he reminds me of Henry, Henry Peter Gyrich over on the Marvel side of things where he's just a yes man for the government. He's just a stooge. The guy's got seemingly no ability to critically think and make decisions on his own. He's just a kind of a zealot and a Zionist and uh, way too like over the top, way too eager to put his boot on somebody's neck. Right? And, and, it's, and it's, it should be noted that the narrator who we believe is likely the villain insisted that Sarge that Sarge Steel be hired that be, because of his proclivity to follow orders so you know the steel is he's a he's he does exactly what he's told he follows his orders and boy does he follow his orders and zealously as this issue clearly will show yeah and again it's it's he seems to be one of those kind of people that just revels in power right like I get to beat down on people that are weaker or I get to, I, I have the moral high ground and I'm going to take advantage of that. And I'm going to abuse my power uh, because I'm justified. Right. So in that way, he's, he's sort of the perfect embodiment of this idea of why the Amazons would be forced to leave the country anyway. Like he's, he's the per personification of that Amazon extradition act. He, he literally is. So when we see him, he's in the middle of an investigation uh, and he's like, oh, I had this whole plan. It was going to take a month, whatever, but I just got a text. Uh, and so I just got to take you guys out. He, he just he just shoots the two guys that he was investigating, hoping uh, to lead to something bigger, some sort of espionage or what have you. And he goes over uh, all the patrons of this bar, restaurant, whatever. They're all hiding under the table because um, Sarge Steele has just killed these two guys. He walks over. He drops his card on the bar. And I will say, again, it does say Sergeant Steele. I think that's a mistake, right? His name his name is Sergeant. I don't think he has the rank of Sergeant, but I could be wrong. I have to have to check with Tom on that. Uh, but anyway, he, give, he gives it to the bartender. He says, make some calls. They'll clean up the mess. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about this. You don't have to call the cops or, or whatever. So again, clearly somebody who's used to um, abusing power, uh, yeah. if you will. So... Uh, next, we have uh, a scene, uh, Washington Monument, a couple of people um, walking along the, uh, the pond there and saying, what does it mean? You just don't call a guy like Steele to push paper. People are going to get hurt. Um, and it's Steve Trevor is one of the people. And he's saying, it's just confusion. I can stop it. Um, and he say, well, you know, people put their hands over their eyes uh, and say they were born blind, right? That I, I love that line. Like it's, it's, it's sort of uh, intentional ignorance, right? Like I'm going to ignore it so that injustice can, can happen. And I can say, well, I didn't know. I didn't know that that was going to 
going to happen. Uh, and this person that uh, is talking to uh, Steve Trevor says, if they call for help, Stephen, will you go? Uh, and so then we get um, up next, we get a little man on the street action here with this guy whose daughter clearly loves Wonder Woman and what have you, but he's sort of espousing this um, this belief that has been created, that been crafted. Again, feels like complete manipulation of the press and the media by this villain we'll meet at the end to couch this as not somebody being accosted in a bar, but a female, a man-hating female killing men, right? It's all in the service of killing men. The Amazons are here. They're secretly warring against men. We must hate them. We must fear them. Uh, and again, it feels all too realistic for people to buy into this kind of crap, this kind of nonsense, right? Um, now again, very well may have been that that Amazon in the bar in Billings, um, Wyoming, was manipulated. She did choose to leave the two females. Um, but for all we know, she killed everybody and the two females were planted after. We just don't know. Um, but again, the ignorance of people, the willingness to jump to on the bandwagon uh, and paint everybody with the same brush, paint all the Amazons as men-hating terrorists, and we got to kick them out of the country. Again, it feels frightening, and it's, it's anger-inducing, and people are um, choosing sides, but it feels all too realistic. So again, I give Tom King a lot of credit for the crafting of this narrative. I would uh, I, I would add to that. I, I actually think that Tom King did a good job of of showing both sides. And in particular, uh, in particular, in this issue where it shows sort of like the the the, the adult, you know, the, the adult basically say talking about, you know, man hating women. And and right beside juxtaposed with that is, is a young girl, you know, rejoicing, saying, ping, ping, I love Wonder Woman. I am Wonder Woman. And and it shows the it shows the image and, and the disconnect and that, you know, it's sort of ironic that children can see the truth. You know, what is the truth? It's the innocence of children can see the truth of Wonder Woman, maybe the truth of the Amazons. And yet something taints as, as we get older. It's in, I mean, it says something about what Wonder Woman is so many different things to different people. She can inspire, she can inspire some people and yet what she stands for and what the Amazons, uh, how they're viewed by some people might be radically different. And it's so easy to, how, how, you know, that, that slippery slope between a truth and a lie. And even in our, our own real world, we know how easy it is for the truth to become something else. And, and even in the, in the uh, scene before, where that beautiful scene, Daniel Samper at the Capitol with, with Diana and Steve walking down, uh, walking down and having that conversation, Steve t says to Diana, you can't throw a rope around the world, around the whole country. Meaning, and he's referring to the magic lasso. You know, you can't, the magic lasso, compels you to be truthful, but you, you, you can't do that with an entire country. So a country has to, in its own way, determine what its truth is. And, and right on that next page, you see it's the country struggling with the truth. What is the truth? What's the truth? Are, are the Amazons against this or are they not? What's happening? And it really, it, I thought it was very effective in pulling the reader in. Yeah. And, uh, Again, it, it just feels so reactionary and it feels so short-sighted to, again, paint everybody with the same brush. So as the story goes on, next page, we're told, again, the narrator tells us that the Amazon Safety uh, Act was passed, signed into law by the president, you know, passed by Congress, signed into law by president. The Amazon Extradition Entity, that's the AXE, as I mentioned earlier, 
they were formed to basically be uh, a tactical unit to go out and hunt down any Amazons that didn't leave peacefully. Um, we're told most of them did leave peacefully, but some found uh, other reasons to stay. And we get kind of a real world example of that uh, where we, we meet this couple. Uh, it's not clear. I think o- only one of the couple is an Amazon. Uh, I think the African-American woman is just probably an American. They have a daughter. Uh, and then we see this uh, red haired Amazon. Don't think it's anyone that we had seen before, um, but she is killed. She is murdered. Um, and again, this, uh, this entity that's led by Sarge Steele uh, feels justified to kill this woman on her, uh, you know, in her own front yard in front of her young daughter because she was trying to defend herself from these armed men that show up, right? Like, this is, again, all too scary in the realism, but what do you expect to happen, right? Like, you find out there's an Amazon living here in this home, technically illegally, she's technically breaking the law because of this horrible law that's been passed under the guise of, you know, we have to protect our shores from the evil Amazons. They, you show up wearing tactical gear, guns drawn. And and don't get me wrong. Amazons are warriors. They're trained from birth to fight. So it's like you're bringing you know, gasoline to, to a fire. What do you think is going to happen? It's just such a yeah. terrible short-sighted way to deal. You should send, you should be sending bureaucrats as you should send, right? It, send somebody, you know, you serve them with a, a warrant or, or whatever paperwork. Hey, you need to leave, whatever. You don't show up guns drawn, ready to fight. The Amazon's going to feel threatened. She's going to react exactly how she does. And then again, I, I just, I just, there's no excuse in my mind to shoot somebody in the front, in front of their own children. Like there just isn't, right? It, it was a, it was an absolutely gut wrenching scene, and I thought it was actually. I, I struggled with that scene a bit. I, I questioned myself a little bit. Was that maybe a little bit over the top? I found that very shocking. And and to be honest, as a Canadian, I, I've, I've never quite got a handle on what you Americans struggle with as dreamers. In fact, you just had a, in in your real world uh, uh, judicial system, you just had a Texas judge shoot down the DACA Act, the the dreamers, Uh, you know, and and I know that, you know, your your country sort of is struggling with that, that, you know, here and here we have Amazons who the Amazons, uh, the Amazons are in the, are in the U S and they have a child that is technically a dreamer. And this is the way they're treated. Now, I don't think now somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm fairly certain in the real world, (laughs) you know, we don't have the U.S. military showing up on people's doorsteps, uh, you know, uh, apprehending their parents of dreamers. And so this is why, because there's this aspect of this being so over the top, this is going to ruffle some feathers, this scene. It absolutely will. But this is why I'm convinced that there's more going on with this. There's more going on with this plot than than meets the eye, because this was so gut-wrenching and so over the top i couldn't believe that even sarge Steele could could do something like this the sarge Steele that i remember from amazon's attacked would not do this uh but here here we have this absolutely gut-wrenching scene it was this is visceral and daniel sam man his art just it like this one this was like got me right in the got me right in the gut well nothing like this has happened uh you're <laughs> right about that um but only because usually so it's not axe it's ice right 
Immigration <laughs> Customs Enforcement. Uh, and they, yeah, they show up at people's doors. They have weapons. Uh, unfortunately, the, Im- the illegal immigrants that they apprehend don't have, you know, the power of an Amazon and they, they know better than to fight back. But yeah, they're, they're hauled off and while they're, you know, in front of their children, uh, you know, screaming and crying and what have you. And then, yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. Um, but yeah, the, you know, the identity of this country, obviously, uh, something that Tom King is exploring here. Um, and this whole idea of, you know, you don't belong here. You're an immigrant. You know what? Unless you're a Native American, unless you're an American Indian, uh, I don't know if that term is correct anymore, but unless you're a Native American, you're an immigrant, right? My ancestors, immigrants. We were all immigrants in this country at one point. So, you know, point the finger at yourself when you're talking about kicking people out of this country. So, yeah, it's a, it's it, you're right. It's a gut punch. It's all too real. And again, it embodies this sense of Sarge Steele being the physical embodiment, the characterized embodiment of this idea that Amazons are terrible. Amazons are dangerous. We've got to get rid of all the Amazons in our country. Forget about all the times the Amazons have been our allies. Forget about all the world ending threats the Amazons have helped fight against. Whether you're talking about, uh, you know, the, the Amazonians of Paradise Island or specifically talking about Wonder Woman who saved the world countless times, the universe, the multiverse, no, no credit for any of that. No, we've got to get rid of them. They've got to go. Um, and then we get uh, on the next page, we get some more talking heads. Again, it's a lot of things that feel all too real in terms of. Uh, you know, the Amazons need to leave. They're guests in our country. And, you know, it's it's political doublespeak. Uh, and the, the the thing that gets that gets me the most, the thing that really makes it feel very realistic uh, is so many times when you, you talk about politics in this country, especially conservative politics that are so quick to judge, that are so quick to say, we're the party of law and order. Uh, these Amazons are breaking the law. They've got to go. It's the hypocrisy of it, right? It's the hypocrisy because so many times that that conservative politician that is yelling and screaming at the top of their lungs about something that's horribly wrong that people shouldn't be doing, and then a month later you find out they've been doing it as well, right? It's it, It's always been that way in this country, where when you talk about judgment from the right, it's don't tell us what to do, right? They're the, so supposedly the party of limited government. So don't tell us what to do. Don't pass laws, you know, states' rights and rights of the individual, whatever, unless you're doing something they don't like. And then it's pass a law, persecution, you know, all that sort of stuff. So th- this is... You know, as much as Tom doesn't want this to be an overtly political book, the, sub- <laughs> the, the, the subtones are there, right? The subtext is there. And uh, I guess he can point to it and go, well, but I'm not coming right out and saying it. Uh, but he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. If you, if you live in America right now, you know, you know this. You know this. Uh, you know this. It happens constantly. You know, it's like what is good for them is not good for everybody else. You know, it's it's okay to persecute and to judge and to pass laws as long as you're not infringing on them. It's just the others. It's always the others. Um, and then we, we do get uh, a quick look at um, Queen Nubia. And obviously the Amazons are struggling. They don't really uh, know what's going on either. 
that's clear with this uh, quick little one-page interlude. And it goes back to something Rocky said earlier about, yeah, it seems like things are being manipulated. Even the Amazons themselves don't really understand what's going on. They haven't been able to find this Amazon, Emily, who um, attacked all the people in the bar either. Um, and so they're just trying to do the best they can. Um, they have asked all the Amazons to come back to Paradise Island. But again, you know, that, that Amazon that got killed, she didn't want to leave her wife and daughter. Would you? Would you want to leave your wife and daughter if you were told, you know, I may hunker down, keep my head down, stay out of trouble, uh, and and you know, maybe maybe they'll I can slip through the the cracks, you know. Yeah. Um, no, it's uh, it, it's obviously t- it's a uh, it's a bad time to be an Amazon living in America uh, in this in in this particular uh, <laughs> in this story, and but one thing that absolutely stood out on this page is this is Nubia. Asking her, advi- asking her advisor, where is Wonder Woman? You know, because I want to speak to her. And and then, of course, the, the advisor tells her the princess hasn't come, but she has surrendered her sword because what Diana has said is that in what I do now, I must avoid temptation. And I thought that was absolutely brilliant by laying down that sword because that is the epitome of care ethics, which embodies the Amazonian code. And that is that Wonder Woman is surrendering her sword and she's not using her shield either. Uh, well, she's, she's not using her sword because she doesn't want to. She wants to do whatever she can. She wants to, gen- she wants to use truth. She wants to, and so it says something about her as a warrior. She's the embodiment of the peaceful warrior. And that, that peaceful warrior, both the peace and the warrior aspect of it are perfectly embodied in this opening issue because this is the idea of peace, the surrendering of the sword. And Wonder Woman is still out making the good fight, fighting for truth, and surrendering her sword to her own leader saying, we will, we will persevere. And there's so much symbolism in, in that handing over of the sword. And I thought it was just beautiful. And especially, like, I'm a longtime Wonder, Wonder Woman fan. And I, I've been frustrated with Wonder Woman for so long. Uh, but but I, I, I always persevere. I love the character. And I love when, when we get moments like this where, you know, even though there's going to be other issues I have, which I'll get into overall with the issue when we when we get into general commentary but elements aspects of that lines like that really like yes yes that's what i that's what wonder woman would do he nailed it with that tom king nailed it there are aspects of this opening issue where i thought he he absolutely understands he knows what he's doing doesn't mean she's giving up the fight it doesn't mean she's not going to stand up for what's right uh and and try to get to the truth you know we know wonder woman very much cares what the truth is but a sword is such an offensive weapon. Um, and yeah, she's going to do whatever she can to get to the bottom of it, but uh, in in the most non-threatening way possible. Um, so yeah, it was a fantastic uh, moment there. And then we're followed up with uh, weeks have gone by, maybe a month. Wonder Woman is uh, still in DC. She's at a cemetery. When Sarge shows up again with this axe um, group of... Um, of soldiers and they've all got their weapons drawn. They're all taking a bead on Wonder Woman. Uh, and Sarge is talking to her saying, you know, you need to, uh, you know, you, you killed people, you need to come with us. And, she's, and Wonder Woman's like, I didn't kill anybody. Oh, well, not you, but the Amazons, uh, you know, you need to come with us. Uh, and Wonder Woman's saying, you know, we didn't have anything to do with this tragedy. Um, there's more going on here than meets the eye. Lies have been told. I want to find the truth. And Sarge, again, Sarge Steele has zero interest in actual in the actual truth. All he cares about is 
power. All he cares about is he has been um, authorized to take down Wonder Woman. And, you know, whether this has to do with his history, you know, his embarrassment with what happened during Amazon attacks or what have you, it feels like uh, possibly he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Uh, but what's really telling in this scene is, you know, Wonder Woman says, I'm not going to go with you. I'm not going to surrender. Um, and she makes no threatening move whatsoever. Absolutely none. They fire the first shot. This is Han Solo in the cantina, taking the first shot, whatever. And uh, Wonder Woman realizes that they're shooting at her. And it's, again, this is a scene, uh, an image that has been used a lot in promotion. As she turns around and deflects the bullet with her bracelet, a bullet that was aimed at her head, right? Whether or not it would kill her, would have killed her, you know, we can make that argument. She is Wonder Woman. She's got some limited vulnerability, invulnerability, what have you. But uh, she doesn't let she doesn't, she's not going to find out, right? She's not going to let herself be harmed. Uh, but you want to talk about somebody taking things too far at the beginning scene in the pool hall with Emily, the Amazon. Um, at least they had, she had the excuse. She felt justified. And again, there may have been a manipulation there, but she was inappropriately touched, right? Wonder Woman in this scene did nothing nothing to deserve attempted murder. They attempt to murder her. So she obviously, she's Wonder Woman, right? So she takes out this Axe squad uh, as we expect her to and with gorgeous art and fantastic action scenes from Daniel Samper. Uh, and you love to see it because it feels justified, 100% feels justified because she did nothing. And she's having a dialogue with Sarge Steel throughout the fight. And she says, I did nothing and you fired upon me. I made no threatening move. My back was to you uh, and yet you fired. So uh, again, it's, it's a little bit and, and this whole thing, the other thing about this with all the guns and violence or whatever and talking about the hypocrisy of the, um, the conservative political movement in this country, it's like you can look at guns as a perfect analogy for Amazons, right? In this story, like, they're so scared of Amazons and what happened in that bar. Uh, we're going to ban all Amazons, right? Because they don't like Amazons. But yet in this country, guns kill hundreds of people every month, uh, mass shootings constantly. And yet because the right loves guns, yeah, it, it's not the, right. That's what they always say. It's not the, it's not the gun. It's the person. Guns don't kill people. It's mental health, whatever. You know what? There's hundreds and hundreds of people being killed, thousands of people being killed by guns every year. How about we just pass some gun laws to make it much harder to get a gun and just see. And if it doesn't work, hey, if it makes no difference, if it doesn't uh, you know, make a statistically significant change, we'll give you your guns back. But why not just try it? What's the harm in trying it? So again, it's the hypocrisy. Here we are with might makes right uh, with these soldiers and their guns attacking Wonder Woman. And I got to say, uh, she didn't kill anybody, but broken bones and what have you, according to Sarge Steele, it felt good, right? It felt righteous. She felt justified. It was, it was great. And again, I realize you could say, well, these are soldiers are just following orders and whatever. That argument didn't stand up at the trial in Nuremberg for the Nazis, and it didn't stand up for the U.S. Army when they're talking about the village of uh, Mei Lai in uh, Vietnam. Um, you are 100% allowed to disobey an order if that order is not lawful. And we find out that this guy that was shooting at Wonder Woman, 
from behind while she was talking to Sarge Steele. He said, I was just following orders. I was, I was told to get the headshot and take it. Uh, what, what if she had agreed to surrender? Apparently that didn't matter. She was just uh, going to be killed. They were trying to take her off the table. So again, you wonder who's behind it. Obviously there's manipulation going on. So uh, it's a fantastic action scene in the uh, cemetery. And the one other thing I'll point out is that uh, that splash page where Wonder Woman first turns around. I think it is very intentional. There are some doves. There's a dove in the foreground. Uh, I don't know that doves will fly around when there's snow. There's no, they're not pigeons or are they, they, they doves or uh, they pigeons? Yeah, they, look, uh, they could be pigeons, but they look, I mean, they're white. They look white like doves. This idea of Wonder Woman as a peaceful warrior. Maybe yeah. there's some symbology think, there. Yeah. Uh, no. I would agree with you. I think they're probably supposed to be doves. Yeah. Yeah. But this is really Wonder Woman showing that, and you kind of wonder, right? Like you could make the argument, well, technically she's breaking the law, right? She is breaking the law, but she, she ascribes to something higher than the law, right? She ascribes to truth. Uh, and, and we'll talk more about what Tom was saying about Wonder Woman as a rebel and what have you in some of his interviews. But yeah, rather than any sort of man's law, and I, I, I don't say that as like a male law, but just a law created by humans. Um, she's above, she, she really has seen herself as above that, right? It, to her, rather than following the law, what's more important is to find the truth. And that's what she's looking to do. And um, she kind of confronts, when she confronts Sarge Steele, she, she kind of makes that point, right? And his point is, I don't care. I don't care what the truth is. I just care about the law. It's a, it's a, a very stark difference in the way of looking at things. What, what, is, what is more just, to do what's right or to follow the letter of the law? Yeah. Laws and, are written by humans. Humans are fallible. Thus, laws in my mind are fallible. And and I, I think what's happened here, and and because and I I can't emphasize enough. I mean, I find it ironic. You you actually talked quite a bit. You talked quite a bit of, of real world politics in your in your commentary so far, uh, more than I would have uh, thought you would have. But I I. I Certainly, the references, all the references you said are are there. There's also the counterpoints to be made that the people, there's going to be readers who are more on the conservative side that will read this and they may see things very differently, which is why I want to underscore, and I generally consider myself conservative, but here's how I view this story. I view this as a story where all of America is being manipulated, conservatives and liberals, and that the bad guy of this story, who we get hints of who he is, and we'll get to that, is that he's utilizing, he's taking the, the worst type of people on all sides of the political spectrum, and he's, he's, he's pulling them in, the weak-minded, the, the ones that are prone to maybe the misogyny, the ones that are easier to manipulate, like Sarge Steele, and he's using them for the, his nefarious purpose, and, and that's why you get this, this truth versus lies. And, and so I, would, I, I hope that readers, when they read this, I hope that there's not too many that recoil with anger saying, well, this is Tom King's agenda or any such nonsense. No, this is a story that if it makes you think, I hope it makes people think in a good way, that this is an interesting way of looking at the DC universe in, in a way uh, as a foil uh, 
against our own world because I got to tell you, there's a lot of reasons in recent Wonder Woman continuity why the world might be a little upset with the Amazons. We could talk about the previous runs and what Wonder Woman did and what Nubia did. And there, there's justification there to, to understand why people might fear the Amazons or feel uncomfortable in, in their, with their presence. And, and there's, there's a lot there. So not only, even if you ignore our world, I think that there's some continuity that has been built upon by Tom King, where a villain in the DC universe could capitalize on the fears of the citizens of the DC universe, and he's done so. And so I think it works. You know, so, and I'm, I'm, I'm so curious. I'm going to be so curious to see how the general reading comic book public t- uh, responds to this opening issue. I personally like it. I, I, I love this. I, I, I love the... Co- if this stirs up some controversy, good. It's about time we had some good Wonder Woman stories and good, you know, ruffle some feathers, bull in the china shop. I'm enjoying this, uh, even if notwithstanding some minor criticisms that I have, you know, we'll see where it goes. But I'm, I'm enjoying this. And this scene in the cemetery, I don't know if this is Arlington Cemetery or not. I don't it, it never said what cemetery it was, did it, Jace? No, I don't know. I, I was I mean, kind of hoping it was. Yeah, it doesn't overtly look like Arlington. I've I've been there. I didn't yeah. necessarily recognize any. Yeah. I, I just thought look like that. Is there? But. Do you think that there's a reason why he chose a, uh, a cemetery? Was that supposed to be symbolic of of the dead or the fallen? Because I, I thought because usually there's always a reason why why the setting of a cemetery of all things. Why did Wonder Woman go to a cemetery? It just you know it's a curious choice for a setting. You know, and I think, does it say something like you're amongst all the fallen, amongst all who have given their lives or something? I, uh, But yet it just seemed like an odd choice for uh, a setting. So I'm, I was just, I'd be curious to ask Tom King why he chose a cemetery for this particular scene. It, it works very well, but I'd be curious to know why he chose that. Yeah, I mean, it, she does say, you know, Sarge's like, I, you shouldn't be here. And she said, well, I was nearby. I wanted to, you know, offer my prayers and he said, well, you know, first you kill them and then you pray over them. Um, so who, who exactly is them? Is it is it just soldiers in general? Yeah, not really sure. Uh, but yeah, it does it does work. Uh, to your point about um, you're going to have people on either side. You're going to have people that like this. You're going to have people that don't like it. Uh, and again, it definitely seems like Wonder Woman, the Amazons, the American people, the government, they're all being manipulated by this sovereign, for lack of a better name for this villain. Um, it, it's it's also interesting and maybe even another layer of sort of meta storytelling, right? Because, uh, yeah, there very well may be some controversy over this or maybe some arguments back and forth, uh, people that like it, people that don't. Uh, there is a school of thought here in this country uh, where we basically have two political parties, uh, conservative, liberal, uh, for lack of better term, just label them as that. But if you're a politician, if you're in power, you're lining your pockets, you're doing whatever, uh, rather than having attention called to things that you're doing that may not be uh, above board, wouldn't you rather have the general populace sort of bickering back and forth? Let's distract them. Let's keep power for ourselves and let everybody kind of in the lower class spend their time and their vitriol and their attention fighting each other, because as long as they're fighting each other, as long as we can pit neighbor against neighbor, we can do whatever the hell we want over here, uh, you know, line our pockets, uh, you know, the rich get richer, as it were, because the general populace is so busy fighting against each other. 
that sort of, you could look at it that way. Uh, you could look at this story that way as well, which is really getting deep in meta and probably I'm reading too much into it. Um, but I'm sure Tom uh, is familiar with that, uh, that sort of theory of um, American society, American politics, what have you. Uh, it is great to see Wonder Woman literally crush Sergeant Steel's steel fist um, and remind us just how uh, powerful she is. Um, but one thing I'll, I'll take the opportunity to mention here, I was talking a lot about some of the interviews Tom did, uh, and he talks about Wonder Woman and her empathy and her desire for peace, but that she is a warrior. But every time she has to throw a punch, every time she has to fight, every time she has to resort to violence, she is in a way failing, right? Because her mission is peace. Uh, and so every time she's unable to resolve a conflict without violence, um, in a way she's, she's failing. So it's not to the extent of somebody like Peacemaker. We've talked about that a lot recently reviewing the Peacemaker tries hard, but somebody who loves peace so much, he's willing to kill for it. Right. Uh, similar Wonder Woman, uh, but to, yeah, obviously to a lesser extent. So, uh, next we get a scene in a coffee shop. I don't know if these are people we're supposed to know. It just looks like a couple of young people that, um, are fans of Wonder Woman or admirers. Uh, for a second, I thought maybe one might be Etta Candy, but it looks a little too young to be Etta. But they mentioned that one, an arrest warrant has been uh, placed for Wonder Woman after this event in the cemetery. Um, and I, I, the only question about that I have is, well, I guess you didn't necessarily have an arrest warrant for Wonder Woman. You didn't necessarily need one because she technically she was in violation of the Amazonian Safety Act. Um, but didn't you need something anyway to just go and and confront her in the cemetery. Like, I, I don't know. It was kind of strange. Obviously it's in service of stories. Just let everybody know, Hey, Wonder Woman is now technically operating as a fugitive. She's operating outside the law. That's kind of what that, um, I think what that scene was supposed to do. And then we get another scene of, yeah. um, Diana and Steve walking uh, alongside the pond in DC, uh, this time during the day, they talk about Sarge Steele. Um, we find out that, Wonder Woman did interrogate him, couldn't find out anything other than he was just following orders. Um, and it's interesting, even Wonder Woman, I, I mean, I don't think she, I think she's a little bit kind of poking fun at Steve a little bit, trying to keep things light. Because um, she's basically says, well, he's a soldier, like you're a soldier. And Steve pushes back on the, hold on, <laughs> might be a soldier, but I'm not a soldier the way Sarge Steele's a soldier, right? I don't just follow orders blindly. Um, so again, just um, just giving us clues, uh, again, establishing sort of the, the status quo of the way things are politically. And then what's telling is at the end, when uh, Wonder Woman, her last question to Steve is, tell me, have you ever heard of someone called the Sovereign? Uh, and that's, I think, the third time in the book or the second time in the book, second of three times that we hear that name, uh, the Sovereign. So... Um, I did appreciate that Wonder Woman does still have a secret identity. Apparently, Diana Prince, she's walking along. I mean, she's she's in D.C. If you're if you're a wanted fugitive, the last place you should be walking around where people can see you is Washington, D.C., where there's like a federal agent every three feet, uh, especially there. The Washington Mon Monument's so close uh, proximity to FBI headquarters and, and what have you. But apparently she can walk around and people don't recognize her. Um, so that was uh, interesting. And I do love that. Steve is sort of her sounding board. Uh, he's certainly not going to betray her. We know he has romantic feelings for her and what have you. Um, but could that change? 
who knows? That would be uh, interesting tension to build uh, for King. Uh, and then the last couple pages, we we get that uh, that villain. We get uh, the scene for the first time. Basically, it's explained this guy's been there from the beginning. Uh, a lord that came over to seek his fortune, came over to the new world to seek his fortune. Uh, just like his father and his father before him, he wore this crown. It's It implies that this sovereign is the secret ruler of the United States, uh, letting the people think that they have free will while he's manipulating things and staying in power behind the scenes with uh, a weapon or um, I don't know what else you would call it, uh, an accessory, if you will, that Rocky mentioned earlier. Uh, And I think this is the lasso that we see Trinity with later on, uh, Wonder Woman's daughter. And it's the lasso of lies. And rather than being gold, like the lasso of truth, it's black. Um, And so it definitely seems as though Tom King is introducing some new canon, some new history, uh, and a new villain. I think that's very well suited uh, as sort of the antithesis of Wonder Woman. Mm. She's more than just a lasso of truth and a seeker of truth and a seeker of peace. Um, you know, she doesn't just seek those things out because of the lasso. Uh, you mentioned empathy as one of her traits earlier. Um, and empathy it, to me is so wrapped up in understanding the truth of somebody's, uh, somebody's life, somebody's uh, state of being, somebody's existence, right? It's hard to have empathy for somebody if you don't understand who they are and what they've been through and what have you. So it's, it's about getting to the truth of who someone truly is so you can have empathy for that person. Uh, that's Wonder Woman, right? Uh, and so the exact opposite of that is, is lies, right? Lies you maybe tell yourself so that you don't have to care uh, and you can put yourself above people and you can judge people. Um, and that seems to be what this sovereign has done. Power for power's sake, power for um, the purpose of uh itself basically because when you think about it if if this sovereign and his father and his father before him and whatever and going back however long if they're in power uh and they're the true uh rulers of the united states what value is there in that if you have to keep it a secret right other than you can live in the lap of luxury but if you have to keep it all secret i sort of feel like what's you know what what why why do that like you know, uh, except for power for power's sake. Uh, when you think about, well, why would I want to be president or why would I want to have the powers of Superman or why would I want to have, you know, great political power or whatever, like from a personal standpoint, well, I, I would like the ability, like I'd love to have the powers of Superman because I'd use it to help other people. I wouldn't use it to live in the lab of luxury and keep it to myself. What, then what's the point, right? Like what's the point of that? So it, it's such an interesting character for Tom King to create as sort of uh, an anti-hero for Wonder Woman. And hopefully somebody who's going to be the real first uh, rogues gallery addition to Wonder Woman in a long, long time. I mean, we've mentioned it before, her rogues gallery is pretty pretty poor, to be honest. I mean, we've got Cheetah, we've got Dr. Psycho, we've got Cersei. You can make the argument for Ares uh, or the Olympian gods. Uh, Maxwell Lord to some extent, but does it really stick? Um, so somebody like this, I mean, uh, Tom has said and has gone on record saying he's not the best at creating new characters, but I think he may have hit a home run on this one. So, I, yeah, it was uh, it was great to see, and it does answer the question of who we saw in Wonder Woman eight hundred. Clearly, it's this Sovereign that we saw in the cell that uh, Trinity was talking to. Yeah, I think the 
the jury is it's way too early for me to decide if the sovereign is a, is a great villain yet right now uh, right now I fear he, he could he has the last he seems to be the opposite of Wonder Woman Wonder Woman's got a magic lasso regarding truth he's got a lasso of lies not exactly you know just doing the opposite of Wonder Woman I need more than that he's he's a white male and he's evil oh and he hates women not exactly you know I mean I need more for a villain but there are hints that there might be more, and this is why I'm still intrigued, because it hints that the actual, uh, an actual founding of the changing of American history, that, there, that the founding pilgrims were muskrat men who conquered the women tribes of central Virginia. So I wonder, uh, and, and are, is, was there an ancient Amazonian tribe that existed in pre-colonial America? Maybe this sovereign and his uh, back in the day killed an Amazonian tribe that may, was there an Amazonian tribe in America in pre-colonial America that were that that Tom King's going to be introducing that we're not aware of yet. I don't know. I'm just I'm just this was just right in the comic. If you read in between the lines, maybe there's more there. That's interesting to me. How, how much has this sovereign been working behind the scenes and maybe he has to work behind the scenes because he's building up his own empire over the centuries because Wonder Woman's been around since World War One. if you if you want to follow the DC rebirth continuity and we know we just recently got a third tribe of Amazons discovered who's to say there weren't more tribes of Amazons in the past as well but perhaps some were wiped out maybe the sovereign and his minions and his men uh, muskrat men back in the day wiped one of them out I got these are interesting questions and what has he been doing behind the scenes and what is what's the origin of this lasso of lies and we know we know from the trinity uh, story back up in wonder woman 800 there's actually another lasso as well so there's lots of interesting questions i'm really interested here uh, i want to go back to something else you said jace about it's very interesting that that what that diana diana prince she does have her secret identity if she's got her secret identity back i love that now, again, there's a little bit of a continuity glitch there if she's never had one. I think anyone could recognize Wonder Woman walking by, of all places. She's, not, she's pretty much hiding in plain sight, wearing plain clothes in, in the Capitol. You'd think she'd stand out like a sore thumb. I mean, she's, she's Wonder Woman after all. But you know what? I'm going to let that go. Man, I would, love to, I, would love, I would love to see Tom King put her in a white suit. You know, a nice little call back to the uh, to the seventies uh, in a respectful way, of course. Daniel Samper's art, I think it's 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 great. So, look, there's some there's some nitpicks here that uh, if if I go th if I go through this, I'm, I'm not sure where things are going to lead. But I, my final comment on all the little nitpicks I have is the jury. I I want to wait to see how this is going to play out. This is too early for me to to. I'm, I'm excited for this. I really am. I'm excited for this. I don't, this isn't like the Clunrad run or the, or the previous runs where they were, they felt frankly insulting to the character. This one is elevating the character. It's, it's honoring the, uh, the idea of a peaceful aspect, a peaceful warrior. It's involving the, the truth and the lies. And frankly, I like that there's some uncomfortable truths and reflections of our modern day world. And maybe it's over the top, but it is a comic book after all. So let's have a little bit of fun with it. And, you know, I hope, unfortunately, we know that there are going to be people that choose not to have fun with it, but we'll read it anyway and want to review it <laughs> and tell other people why they should hate it. But uh, I, I enjoyed this and I, you know, think... Uh, 
I enjoyed this, and I'm going to be reviewing this on on a, on a couple of other uh, sites as well. And uh, it's uh, I'm gonna I have a feeling I might be defending Tom King because I enjoyed this opening issue. I'm I'm excited to see where this is going. And one thing I just want to say, I wish I personally wish we did not get the Trinity preview in issue 800. I think DC did that for sales, but I did not need to. See, I would be even more excited if I didn't have that issue, that teaser in issue 800 of Wonder Woman. I would be even more excited because I didn't need that. I didn't need that. We know that in the future, Trinity, the future daughter of Wonder Woman, is going to be talking to this sovereign character, the, this, this villain we see on the final page. But we didn't need that. We didn't need that. I don't mind that we had it, but I didn't need it. So, And I would just say that I think that this issue was strong enough on its own that we didn't need that teaser issue uh, in, in Wonder Woman 800. And I say that as a compliment to Tom King and maybe to DC to have a little bit more faith in their stories. It is interesting, right? Like I mentioned the opening line, you know, this is a story, it's the sovereign narrating the issue whenever you get the blue text boxes. And he says, this is a story of how she defeated us. So again, it's, you know, it's not rocket science. The, like I said, the book is called Wonder Woman. She's going to win the day. Uh, it's a matter of how she does it and the conversations, the journey, the conversations that that journey engenders that will really tell the quality of the story. But it is it is interesting, and yeah, I, I sort of agree with you. Um, maybe a little more mystery, have that come later, what have you. But uh, it, it's fine, uh, it's it's fine. Um, but yeah, uh, this idea of of Wonder Woman as a rebel, which is another thing that Tom King's talked about in some of the interviews he's done, uh, and it, what he means by that is just she she's not willing to just say, well, this is the way things are, this is the status quo. I'm going to go along to get along, right? So. You know, Tom talks about, um, you know, in his own life, young people he knows, that younger generation who does seem to be pushing back on, the, the, well, this is the way things have always been done. Um, so, again, you can really read some meta stuff into the story if you want. It's it's there. If you don't enjoy that and you want to just read it because it's fast-paced and it's action-packed and it's got absolutely gorgeous Daniel Semper art, you can do that. But... The, I, I like to have a little bit more to my comics and this is really establishing that, you know, like yeah. uh, this country is just in such an identity crisis right now with this idea of the old guard that have been in power basically since the end of World War II and it, they're coming to the end of their lives, basically, you know, they're aging out. Uh, what does the younger generation have to offer? And then there's my generation is in the middle, sort of the forgotten generation that weren't given the opportunity to really have any power or say because the you know previous generation just hung on with a death grip, um, but again, they're they're phasing out. So what comes next? Uh, and that's sort of again uh, something that can you can read into this story as as sort of that idea of uh, what comes next and, and Wonder Woman really being a champion for that younger generation. I don't think it's any um, coincidence. Uh, that this sovereign is depicted as a very old, man, a very old man. You know, <laughs> yeah. very much seems to be of that uh, boomer generation. I hate that term, boomer. It's become yeah. a derogatory term. I hate that. unless it's a comic boomer. Yeah, unless it's a comic <laughs> boomer. Exactly. But yeah, I just uh, I, I just don't care for that term. But but yes, that of that generation. So I I can't recommend this highly enough. Again, I think there's so many layers and levels to it, and maybe stuff that. Tom wasn't even aware of that he put into it and maybe things he is aware of, but just hasn't spoken uh, about publicly. 
Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you. I can't wait to see where it goes. I agree. It's too soon to say that Sovereign will uh, will be a great Wonder Woman villain and and you know a new nemesis for her. But my God, does he have potential? More potential than any Wonder Woman villain that's come along in a in a long time. Who was the one? You know, again, I think you and I were both really excited about that Mariko Tamaki run. At least I know I was after the first issue, and it just went off the rails so quickly. But uh, and we had Maxwell Lord who did show it. But there was another. There was another villain that had to do with like manipulating. It was like cell phone stuff and manipulating reality and perception. You remember? It was Maxwell Lord's daughter, right? Yeah, Maxwell Lord's daughter. Yeah, yeah. I, I forget her name, but yeah, it was her daughter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So clearly, you know, we can't even remember her name. That villain had potential as well, but yeah, squandered. So too soon to say. Again, too soon to say whether this yeah. uh, sovereign and, will work out or not. But my and, fingers crossed. That's right. And I, I, I want to say that I have it's it was impossible for me. I have read up until the the December solicits for D for for DC Comics did just it dropped last week and I did read them and I had to read the solicits for Wonder Woman issue four. And so they don't doesn't reveal a lot, but I like the guest stars that I'm seeing that are gonna I know are gonna be cropping up and I'm I'm really curious to see where Tom King takes this. I mean, full disclosure, you and I love Tom King, but I wasn't a huge fan of his Batman run, but I loved the way it started. And then it sort of went off the rails. Uh, and then, I, you know, his incontinuity stories, not so much big fan of, but I like what I'm seeing so far with Wonder Woman. So I'm cautiously optimistic. And I'm, well, when it comes to Wonder Woman, I'm, I'm a Pyrrhian fanboy and I'm very, I'm probably too bloody opinionated when it comes to the character. And frankly, I... I really enjoy this. I I really I, I enjoy this. This 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 has me. There, there's that there's that line. What is that from the Quentin Tarantino Quentin Tarantino movie? You you had my curiosity or you had my you have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. Well, <laughs> something like that. So hopefully, uh, you know this. The, the promise of this first issue, I think, is. Uh, it, it holds a lot of promise. And I got to say, remember the continuity leading up to this? We got the, we had the trial of the Amazons and, you know, not to, you know, leaving aside how one might feel about how those stories came together. We got, we finally got a united Amazons, three tribes of Amazons finally coming together, but after, only after defeating chaos. And the world probably looks with some trepidation on the Amazons after that because they were war, three warring tribes. Now they're suddenly together. Following that, Themyscira opened up its borders. Uh, and uh, again, it was a wonky storyline with Stephanie Williams, but if you just follow the logic, She's trying, Nubia was trying to democratize uh, Themyscira a little bit, introducing democratic ideals in a monarchy because it is a monarchy. And part of that was having Amazon, Amazons you know, filter into the, you know, live elsewhere in the world, not just in Egypt with the Banna McDowell, not just with the Escazita tribe in Brazil, not just in Themyscira, but elsewhere all over the world. And so this is going to have real world consequences within the continuity of the DCU. And so as a continuity guy, there's some wonkiness here. That, and But I'm not going to focus on that. If this is a good enough story, especially with Wonder Woman, if this if this story is as good as, as you know, many of us hope it will be, uh, DC will change their continuity to fit the story. That's happened. And because Wonder Woman doesn't have a, a year one, Wonder Woman doesn't have a Batman year one or a, an all-star Superman. She's never had that. I don't care what anybody says. She's had some decent writers, but never an epic tale. And I'm not saying that this is going to be it, but hey, man, think big. Go big or go home. 
Yeah, it, again, it, it's shocking, really. And and Tom King has talked about that. Yeah, there's been some great runs, but is there really like, man, if I want somebody to understand who Superman is, you know, go read Superman for all seasons or All Star Superman or what have you. Go read Batman Hush or Batman Year One, like you mentioned. Um, yeah, Wonder Woman doesn't have that. I mean, there is the George Perez run um, that's so wrapped up in the the gods and what have you. And Tom's talked about that. And just how do you, how do you relate to that? How is Wonder Woman as a god, how's that relatable? It's not. Um, so yeah, doing something more like this where, you know, having her identify with the younger generation is so, is so brilliant in my mind. But yeah, you mentioned the solicits. Yeah, Tom's come out and basically said, because people have asked, well, she has such a big supporting cast, will we see them? Yeah, we're gonna see Cassie, we're gonna see uh, Yara Flora, we're gonna see, um, who's the other one? Donna Troy, maybe? Yeah. Can't remember. Yeah, one yeah. other. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see that. Even uh, Grail, he even hinted at Grail. Yeah, Grail. That's another uh, <laughs> villain that maybe could be construed as a Wonder Woman villain, but it probably hasn't had hasn't been used to their full yeah. potential yet. So remember we'll that Grail's remember that Grail's mother is an Amazon. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it's so, yeah. Good. Yeah. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, and at some point, we'll have Tom and Daniel on to talk about this series. I'm trying to figure out the best time. To do that, maybe after the next issue, we'll see. Uh, but anyway, that does it. Um, again, go pick it up. It's a fantastic read. Uh, I think I've read it four or five times myself now, uh, highly anticipating what comes next. So, any last thoughts, Rocky? Uh, just I'm I'm ha I'm happy. I'm not I'm not angry. Let's put it this way. I read this and it was like profound relief, beautiful art. I she's rocking the boat. I, and this, it feels like an event to me, and yet it's just in a Wonder Woman comic, and I don't got to buy a billion other comics, and I'm excited for it. I'm wondering why the rest of the world, the rest of the Justice League's not involved, but those are other questions that uh, I think Tom King might play with as the series progresses. We'll see, and I'm happy, so... All right. Well, thanks for joining, everybody. Really appreciate it. Don't forget to head over to Rocky's channel if you're checking us out on the Comic Source YouTube channel. Rocky has his own channel, Comic Space Boom! Exclamation point. It's where we do our DC spotlights every week, and we'll have some other uh, content up uh, real soon. Him and I are reviewing a couple of other big books that have uh, come out recently, so be sure and check that out. Uh, also, I'm releasing this audio only on the Comic Source podcast, so if you're curious about the other audio only content there, just go to wherever you get your podcast, do a search for the Comic Source, and subscribe. So. Appreciate the support as always, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. Catch you later. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.